shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's life is today. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I believe that uh, we are going to feast again today. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, God is our strength. He's our wisdom. He's our strength. Praise God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ah. Praise God. If anybody, if you are cold, you can close the window. <coughs> oh, praise God. He shall stop the one. Let's just start from there and we'll see where the Lord wants to take us. Praise God. Um, so this is a letter of Paul to the Ephesian church. Praise God. So he was talking to a church. Um, thank you everybody that is online. God bless you. Really appreciate you today. Praise God. Um, thank you Lord Jesus. Father, Lord, I pray that you anoint my tongue this evening in Jesus' right name. Father, I will not speak out of terms. You will, you will captivate my tongue. You will hold my tongue. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, King of Glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because I believe that you have answered this prayer. That I will speak your heart today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Heavenly Father, King of Glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll start from verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ. Praise God. In Christ Jesus. You see, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful, praise God, mm-hmm. praise God, Hallelujah. and to the faithful. Um, he was writing a letter in reference to men that are faithful in Christ Jesus, praise God. Hallelujah. So, um, he called them saints and he called them faithful in Christ Jesus. So, even though they were born again, and the Bible, God, in the eyes of God, we are saints, but there's a lifestyle of the saints. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. The lifestyle of the saints is that they are faithful in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. What does it mean that a man is faithful? Uh, a man is consistent. Praise God. When you say somebody is faithful, you can switch it. It's full of faith. Mm-hmm. That means he trusts the faith. Mm-hmm. He has given himself to the faith. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. He, has, he, has, he has become a captive of the faith. Praise on the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when he's saying that, he's writing to the saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. It's not just any Christian. Praise God. 
So the epistle is not meant for just any Christian. I want to I want us to get this statement right so that we will not be misquoted. I know this message is recorded. Uh, the the epistle is for everybody, mm-hmm. but it's not just any Christian that can benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Check the entire epistle. There's no milk there. Mm-hmm. Milk of the word. Mm-hmm. If you check the entire epistle, is either they are starting people on the meat, mm-hmm. or they are teaching meat purely. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So every epistle is a doctrine of Christ. Mm-hmm. Every single epistle is the doctrine of Christ. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Does everyone understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Let me teach it well. The letter that was written to the church was a letter that was written to start teaching men the character of Christ. Mm-hmm. So if you check the entire epistle, they were explaining the person that Christ is. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So that's why I said I'm writing to the faithful. It wasn't writing to just any Christian. So it's simply telling them if you are not faithful in Christ, this letter cannot benefit you. You can read it. But you will not be you do not benefit you if you are not faithful. That means if you have not given yourself to the faith, you can be born again and you've not given yourself to the faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. Giving yourself to the faith is giving yourself to the life that that faith presents. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hope I'm saying I'm being reasonable here. Yes, sir. So you can be a Christian and not regard the life that Christianity is presenting. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So there's a lifestyle that Christianity demands. There's a commitment that Christianity demands. You can be a Christian and not commit yourself to the life that Christianity demands. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Hallelujah. So a person can be a Christian born again, um, quickened in the spirit. Eh? Eh? But... My, now, when I'm saying this, I'm not talking about somebody fornicating, lying, committing adultery. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? There are people that are disciplined. But it doesn't mean that when Christ comes to them and gives them instruction, they can obey. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't mean that when they read the scripture and they see the commit and they see a commitment in the scripture, it doesn't mean that they will commit their life to it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Have you seen any Christian that you tell them that wow, this is what the scripture says? And you say, ah, I mean, I'm not there yet to. Shit. Mm. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? No, there's a difference between ah, that's what we're saying, but I'm struggling. Praise God. You know, there's there's a difference yeah. that somebody just admits that ah, man, and I understand that scripture. I know that's what the Bible wants, but sincerely saying I'm not there yet. But as somebody that say I'm not there yet, with the mindset that oh, you are saying your own. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. That me, I'm not ready to live this lifestyle. There was a day I was teaching somebody. I went to, a brother just called me. I was um Digi, I was in Digi then. A brother called me, he was struggling with his prayer life. So he called me. So because he was struggling with his prayer life, some habits have entered. Some habits he has left behind. I started showing up again. Mm-hmm. So he called me that I should go and pray with him. So we're in his house together. So he had a roommate. We we're in his house together, we we're praying. We we're pray we prayed for like an hour, thirty minutes. Then the brother started prophesying. Then as he started prophesying, started prophesying, started prophesying, uh the roommate came in. 
So he didn't want to disturb our prayer. So he stayed in the kitchen till we finished praying. So after we finished praying, I started teaching. So I now quoted the scripture. Um, Acts 22, 14, 22. By much tribulation we shall enter into the kingdom. Oh, <laughs> you know, when I was lying down, <laughs> it was just hearing the ministration. <laughs> you know, maybe he just used one year to hear it and it was just... Eh? So as I quoted that scripture, the brother looked up and said, you can't preach that out to me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you can't, don't even come and tell me that one yeah, now. Yeah. So he wasn't the one I was preaching to. <laughs> so in case I had to refer to him, <laughs> he already gave me disclaimer. <laughs> he already gave me disclaimer that, bro, don't near me with that scripture. Yes. Praise God. Hallelujah. But that brother is somebody doing well now. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a day he was arguing with somebody. And he was talking in line with that suffering area. I was looking at him. Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy. You deserve So, uh, this is because when you see somebody like that, don't write them off. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Just, that was, that's just where they are. Yeah. But there are people that, it's not because of where they are, it's that they are not ready to commit. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? Those are the insincere ones. Mm. Those kind of people, Paul is telling you that if you are not faithful in Christ, mm. no ma- all these things I'm writing, you cannot benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So, if a Christian wants to uh, enjoy scripture for what it is eh? not for his own personal gain it must be it must be something it must be a faithful in christ mm-hmm. let me explain this faithful in christ again a man that has committed himself to the faith and anything or any life that the faith is ready to present praise god so if you see in the book of acts where men were selling their goods and giving it to the church do you get what i'm saying at that point, the demand of the Pentecost wasn't the healing. Eh? Mm-hmm. Eh? Wasn't the demand of Pentecost wasn't the healing and the raising of the dead. Eh? It wasn't the speaking in tongues. Eh? Mm-hmm. Even though it's a major evidence of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. But the, the, um, the, the demand of Pentecost was that life mm-hmm. that they were living. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you see men that they can easily give up their goods. Praise God. Hallelujah. They can easily give up their goods. They can easily give up their house and use it for fellowship. Mm. And in the book of Acts, fellowship was not maybe once a week, or like we are doing a life feast and a life meeting. Mm. They have a fellowship every day. Mm. They broke bread from house to house. Mm. You know, the devil has so much made this world in a certain way that you might not really have time for God. There's a way he has done it. Even check the way they schedule your work. They schedule work so much that by the time you are done work, eh, you might if you are not if you are not careful, you might not remember Bible. Yeah. Or when you remember Bible, you might be sleeping off in front of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the world has been designed in a way that by the time we we um, we bombard them, they will not have time for the living God. So anyone that wants to have time for the living God must be highly disciplined. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anybody that is going to have time for the living God must be highly disciplined. You must be able to deny yourself some things. 
That's why a man that is ambitious cannot pursue God. Because by the time you weigh your ambition and you weigh your commitment to God, and you are overly ambitious, eh? your commitment to you will trade your commitment to God for that ambition. Praise God. You will always trade your ambition and your commitment to God for that ambition. So the world has been designed in a way that you have to choose one. It's either, it's either you pick God eh? or you pick the, glo- the glory of this world. There's no separation there. It's either you pick this world, the world of where you pick God, or the glories of this world. And the, every, you know when we were talking about the book of Revelation, you were talking about through your multitudes of merchandise. Mm-hmm. Merchandise is exchange. There's no, every single time in our thoughts we are making an exchange. Is that you are making an exchange, you are giving up your ambition for God or your desires for God or you are giving up God for your desires. Mm-hmm. Something is, we are trading every day. Every single day we are trading. Mm-hmm. And we should be making, and God give us strength to tra- make proper trade. Mm-hmm. Because every human being is trading. Yeah. Is that you are trading your thoughts for God's thoughts or you are trading God's thoughts for your own thoughts. Is that you are trading God's things for your own things, or you are trading God for, or you are, you are giving up God for your own things? Mm-hmm. Every single day, check it, check the transaction of your heart. There's always a choice there. Every minute, check the transactions of our heart. There's always a choice to make. There's always a choice to make. From simple instructions to normal activities of the house. There's always a choice to make every single day. So you see that a test of your faithfulness is only, there's always a test of your faithfulness every hour, every minute of the day. Praise God. Amen. So you will see that there's always an opportunity to make sacrifice for God every moment. In your simple obediences. Every single moment, there's always a, there's always a choice presented before every man. Should I get offended or not get offended? Should I just bear this body? Should I forget about it or talk? Hmm. Eh? Hmm. Should I obey my supervisor or get or report her? Hmm. You see, you see, all those, you see, there are always transactions in the heart. Mm-hmm. Do you get? Should, should I, should I, should I insult back, or take the insult and walk away? Do you get what I'm saying? Hmm. Eh? Do I submit to my pastor? Should I submit this thing to my pastor or not submit it? That's the transaction. Hmm. Yeah. Should I make the decision or not make the decision? Should I apply for this job or not apply for this job? You see? Those are transactions of, your, of our heart every single moment. Mm. Hmm? Should I make this commitment or not make this commitment? Should I go or not go? If I read my Bible now, if, should I read my Bible now or not read my Bible now? Mm. Should I pray now or not, be, or, or, or not pray now? Hmm? Should I watch a movie or, or read my Bible? Mm. You see? Simple, simple things, eh? but there are transactions in the heart. Mm. And you are making choices for God or against God. Mm. You know, sometimes eh, these things sound so simple eh? that we don't regard them. Yeah. But these things are counting scores in the spirit. Wow. Should I get offended or not get offended? Okay, I would, should, I, should I just bear this body or not bear this body? Should I forgive or not forgive? Should I take this seriously or not take it seriously? You see those thoughts, eh? Those things, eh? Check it. There is a war between flesh and spirit. Mm. 
and these things happen per second that you can't even keep count unless you are a spiritually minded man You know, Christianity must be able to we must be able to break down Christianity to our every every hour life. You know, we are saying everyday life, but these days we are realizing that it's not just every day. Per hour, your transaction, you should be able to measure transactions in our hearts and take choices. Because every choice, as we carry them out, is a building. Because every single time we are carrying out choices, something is happening in the heart. We are break, making covenants every single time. That's why when thoughts weigh on our heart, we should, we should be careful and weigh them well by the Spirit. Praise God. Do you know that your service to God, your service to God, praise God. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Our service to God starts from our thoughts. Praise God. If a man cannot 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 um, cannot cannot drive his thoughts towards God's direction. Eh? So if a man cannot drive his thoughts towards God's direction, towards the direction of the scriptures, or towards the direction of God's doctrine, eh? that man will never be able to grow. Because the we are being we are being changed by our thoughts. We are being transformed by our thoughts. And to be very sincere, we all know. We are Christians. We all know that spirits, eh? spirits influence our thoughts. Yes. So the the measure of my faithfulness is the measure in which I can direct thoughts onto God. Mm-hmm. Because every single thought is a way you are weighing, you are weighing decisions, you are weighing choices. You're, there's always when you say a thought, you are weighing. There, every single moment of our life, we are weighing thoughts. Am I lying? At work, we are weighing thoughts. At home, we are weighing thoughts. Anywhere you go, we are weighing thoughts. Praise God. And you might say that, uh uh, just normal thinking, me to have my brain. Let me, I I, I need to to address this thing. In case somebody will listen to this, it's online, or somebody will listen to it again. Now, are we, Pastor James, let me answer this question. When we say follow the Spirit, or obey God, or obey the Spirit, or uh, um, be led by the Spirit. I would say anybody should not use their brain. Now, I want to ask you a question. Did Adam have brain? Yes. Mm-hmm. Was he using his brain? Yes. Sir. Ah, I don't understand what people are saying. Mm-hmm. I told somebody one day, can I be very sincere with us? You need to be very sincere with yourself. Nobody is saying that you should not use your brain. But what is your brain submitted to? Flesh or spirit? Mm-hmm. We need to now know. We must be knowing what is guiding that brain. Because I've seen it on Facebook and people posted it around here because you are spiritual doesn't mean you use your brain. I understand where they are coming from. But can I be very sincere with you? Your brain can mislead you. Every part of a man has been designed to, to submit to God. Praise God. Every single part of a man has been designed to submit to God. And the level of your submission is determined by the level of your knowledge or your understanding. 
Praise God. You can't submit to what you don't understand. Even if you submit to it, you, you will not do it properly. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even when you submit to it, it's not really pure, proper submission because submission cannot be done in ignorance. Mm. You cannot be saying you are submitting to a God that you don't know. So, the more you know Him, the more properly you submit. Mm-hmm. Because you can't submit to, you can't say you submit to me without knowing what I like. Or what I want you to do. That's not submission. Submission is that you come and inquire what I, I like or what I want you to do. Then you now do it without complaining. Then you are submitting to me. Aha. So you see that your level of submission comes with your level of growth in understanding. Praise God. So when they say darkened understanding eh? is that we are submitting to another understanding because anything you submit to is something is what controls you or is what directs you mm-hmm. praise god mm-hmm. so paul was now telling them that if it was unto the faithful in christ jesus to the what faithful faithful ah, this, this is like i'm not I'm not pressing into that place that the Lord wants us to clear. We might stay here for a while. To the faithful, faithful, faithful in Christ Jesus. We must be able to check that word well. The faithful in Christ Jesus. If a man is not faithful in Christ Jesus, they cannot commit the things of Christ to him. He will make he will make dirty use of it. Like, that's that's why I say you do not cast your cost this pearls before swine. That swine wasn't an insult, it was the nature of a man. A man that does not regard spiritual things. The Bible calls him a swine. It wasn't an insult. It was Jesus Christ that said it. Jesus Christ is holy. Yes. That was a holy man saying it. That was a holy man saying it. That you do not cast your costly, is that costly pearls? What is costly to God are his thoughts, his understanding, his revelation. He said he regards his, uh, his name, his word above his name. He said, in other words, if I don't regard my word, disregard my name. What defines a man is his name, right? It's nothing, if I don't keep my word, eh? Forget about my name. So my word is what guides my name. Do you know? You know, cast your costly pearls before what? Before swines. Praise God. The attitude of a swine is that. No matter how beautiful the thing you give a swine, he's still taking it back to the donkey. Mm. If you carry a pig right now, wash him, dress him up, put him coat of put coat of many colors inside on him. The pig and the coat of many colors they are going back into the swine. <laughs> so that's the definition of a man that is unfaithful. That means he cannot commit. Because 
for the wisdom of God to to profit you, you must commit to it. Mm. You must commit to it. You must commit to it that you 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 when you commit you commit to it that you you see it as if I don't if I don't live by this I will die. Mm. You, you have to get to that point. I remember one time I was struggling with an habit. I've done it. I felt so bad. I did it again and it felt so bad. I was feeling bad, but Holy Ghost came to me. I was thinking that Holy Ghost was going to pet me and say, I know you are feeling bad. I heard a voice in my head. If you don't stop this thing, you will die. I've shared testimony with my wife before. If you don't stop it, that time I was getting close to being a minister. And the thing was still coming back. The thing might go for a while, the thing will just show up again. Say, if you don't kill this thing, you will die. What's he telling me? That this thing can, it can lead you to death. That is the way we should handle the word. Or, the, our faithfulness to God. We should live by it in a way that um, if we don't carry it out, eh, we, are, we are going to die. And I'm not even saying, oh, you know when people say you will die spiritually, people don't. In fact, can I ever say that day that Holy Ghost told me that thing, eh, it wasn't spiritual death that crossed my mind. It was physical death. To be very I don't know if if it was a spiritual day, maybe I won't have that kind of fear that I had that day. But what he painted in my eye was physical death. That you will be called up to heaven. That was how I felt that day. And you know what will happen now? Me that I don't want to die. That habit, I've ever talking to a, I've ever said it to a minister of the gospel before. That day I called somebody. I said, hey, I'm struggling. <laughs> that day. I called somebody, I said, I'm struggling. I don't want to die. Can I very sincere with you? That the 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 is that um, Paul says something in Hebrews chapter twelve. I think it was four, Hebrews chapter twelve. He says something. And you know that scripture. Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse four. Hebrews twelve four. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Verse 4, he said, Ye, if I read from verse 3, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Verse 4, Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving. Praise God. Striving against sin. Praise God. So you should, you should come to a point in your life that I would rather shed blood than commit this sin. Now, we can look at it from the spiritual realm and say, like, blood spiritually. But we we can see it from the physical too. Do you get what I'm saying? That I would rather shed blood than commit this sin. Praise God. That you have not yet resisted only blood against sin. This is how we know faithful men. 
Do you know? And these are the men that can be that they can profit. Can I very sincerely you? Because I'm a pastor does not make me a faithful man. Because I've served in ministry, when I started serving in 2013, so this is like, how many years now? This is eight years. So I've been in ministry for eight years now. It doesn't make me a faithful man. You know, there's a way some people equate their growth to the position they occupy in church. It has nothing to do with it. In fact, a man can be growing in position in church and be dying spiritually. Is very very possible if a man is not committing himself to doctrine, committing himself to teachings, committing himself to leading of the spirit. Praise God. If a man is not committing himself to leading of, the, and when we are saying leading of the spirit, we are not saying that because the Holy Spirit tells you go and give somebody money. Leading of the spirit is that when the Holy Spirit reveals a lifestyle to you through the Scripture, you commit your life to it and live by it. Even when you're, definitely your flesh will not allow it. But you strive against the flesh. You strive against the flesh. You want to get angry. No, I won't get angry. You want to be offended. No, I won't be offended. You know what you are doing? You are starving that thing. You have to come to that point where you starve your emotions. Wrong emotions. You have to come to the point where you start. That is where you come to the point where you say, I rather shed blood. Because when you are starving in the things, demanding response. It's demanding response. It's demanding response. Because these are the things that have been fed over time. So when you say a man is faithful, we need to be very careful when we say we are faithful. Do you know that it's easy to commit to church? Can you, uh, to commit to church, be faithful in church? Where you, you are the one that opened the key to the, you are the one that opened the church, you are the one that closed the church. You are the first to get to church, you are the last to leave the church. Yes. But they might not see you ever. Mm-hmm. You don't mark, you are not marking steps in heaven. They are, you, they, you are not, you are not committed, you are not, you are not, you are not, um, you are not, um, how would I say this scripture? Uh, how would I say this thing? You are not marking time in heaven. You are not aligning with the, with the, with the precepts and instructions of heaven. The way they know people in heaven is that the lifestyle that, they, that heaven commits to a man, eh? the man is living it out. So a man can give you charity, but when they check the lifestyle they have aligned for him, if he's not living by it, eh? and living by it, as far as heaven is concerned, that man is not living yet. Mm-hmm. And that man is not growing. So when you say faithful, what are you faithful to? Jesus, is not faithful in working for Christ. He's faithful in Christ. That means the teachings of Christ. Those things that are in Christ. Those things that make up Christ. You are faithful to them. Praise God. Those natures that make up Christ. Those characters that make up Christ. Those fruits that make up Christ. You are faithful to them. Praise God. Then they now say, then they now say that that is a faithful man. So you can be a minister of the gospel that has, that has built an empire but will not be faithful. Praise God. So a man can build an empire for God and heaven is not seen. You know this thing shocks me. Cornelius. 
in the Bible. They said your giving has become a memorial. Mm-hmm. How can somebody's giving become a memorial in heaven? Mm-hmm. And shocking part, he was not born again. They looked at him like this man, the way he's giving, eh? And he's not, yeah. So he, he knew God in a way. Mm. But God now looked at him like this man, the way he's giving. That means he loves me, he just doesn't know me. Mm. For heaven to go and send India for one man to be born again, mm. just one man, that man has triggered something in heaven. So the angel came and said, Your giving has become a memorial in heaven. That means everywhere we go in heaven, we are seeing it. I mean, what's the memorial? Mm-hmm. When they say you make a memorial of a man, you put a statue somewhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody will begin to see it. You get even if the man is dead, mm-hmm. the statue is there. Everybody that passed that place is remembering the man. Mm-hmm. So in other words, is is giving and become a statue in heaven. Mm-hmm. Everywhere people go, they are seeing the giving. So there's something attached to that giving. It's not because it's just giving. Mm-hmm. There's a heart attached to it. Mm-hmm. He's a faithful man. This this man cannot go to hell. Mm-hmm. Angel, find a way to go and reach out to this man. Tell him to go. Hey, oh, Peter, that was the head of the church of mm. the entire earth. Mm. Yeah. Tell him to go and preach to this man. They made this work so quick that Peter has not finished preaching. The man was speaking in tongues. Mm. So you see the way everyone measures faithful men. It's not the way we measure faithful men. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? So, I can be preaching and not be faithful. Mm-hmm. I can be serving in church and not be faith- faithful. But you can see a man that just comes to Bible study and he only listens and go home. And they call him a faithful man. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So they can call that kind of man a, what? a faithful man. And I can be preaching and not be regarded as a faithful man. So, is that man, because that's the man that they can now commit the things of Christ to. That's the man. And committing it does not mean that you are not, a man can be hearing it. Like in our midst now, somebody attends live meeting or listens to EGFM messages, do you get, or listen to City Gate Church messages, or you know, our sister ministry and everybody. You can be there. Hmm? and hearing the word but it doesn't mean that they have given it to you if you are not faithful you are just hearing it wow. yeah you will notice that they are not even they are correcting people yeah, they are not correcting you and those kind of people there I notice that it's people like that that are always feeling like they have grown yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are you know, there's a way you feel when when you don't receive correction, you feel like you're okay. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that you that don't receive correction from the spirit all the time is one that you are the one that is not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's no way we have issues. So if they are not addressing issues in you, that means you are far. <laughs> you are very far from the kingdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Praise God. Mm-hmm. But some people are so proud of it that they feel like they are doing good. Because they are not receiving correction. Mm-hmm. Actually, if they are, if I if I spend the whole week without Holy Ghost correcting me, I'll go and cry. Mm-hmm. That means I'm not moving forward. 
In fact, there should be a season in your life that you look like every hour they are correcting you. Everybody has gone through that season. You just look at, am I the only one? Am I the only Christian on this earth? Every single time they are bringing correction. Ah, ah. You know what? You are growing. Praise God. So those, that's kind of man. When you say a faithful man, I think I've been able to exhaust the content of that faithful that has been there. Praise God. So when you say a faithful man, faithful man is the one that the little he has received, he has put it to use. Praise God. Every single understanding they bring to him, he puts it to use. So that's the man that they cannot benefit. Praise God. So if you now see verse verse fourteen, verse fifteen. Now let's now let's relate it to this. Ephesians chapter one verse fifteen. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, you see, faithful men. The men that are using faith are faithful men. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you believe in the word and you put it to use, eh? either in the mid level or in the mid level, you say you are a faithful man. Because for you to be faithful, you must trust what is presented to you. Mm-hmm. You say, ah, man, this man is faithful to his wife. It's because he, he trusts what he has. And is ready to give and commit to that wife. Do you get? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because of the trust, you get. He has. Do you get? Or the trust in the institution. Because of his trust in that institution, eh? Because of what he believes about that institution, he doesn't want to do anything contrary to it. They say he's faithful. So there's no there's no way you can be faithful without trusting or believing in something. So after I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, that means I've seen a level of faithfulness. So you see that Paul was saying that to the to which Ephesus to the um, who are saints which are saints saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So when he was he's writing this letter to them, if you check the entire book of Ephesians, eh, it's an introduction to the meat of the word. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you get? Yeah. As at, by chapter six, he has already finished presenting the meat of the word to them. Mm-hmm. Then they put on the whole armor of God. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Aha. So by chapter six, he has started, he has painted a picture to them, but. He started telling them something. That this thing I'm about to tell you is for men that are faithful in Christ Jesus. That's why I can't preach meat of the word or doctrine of Christ to a man that has not used milk to some extent. I will not be helping his life. I'm not saying that I have preached milk to. Let's separate it. He's not that have used milk. You must see his lifestyle and say, this man has used milk to some extent. Because I can preach milk to you if you have not used it. It has not really profited you. 
if I now give you the meat of the world, it's a child that has not drank milk. A baby, physical baby. He has not drank milk. He now carry biscuit and put it in his mouth. Mm-hmm. We are about to kill that baby. Mm-hmm. So the Bible now says, after I've seen your faith, it's not that after I've preached faith and loved what he said to you, I've seen it in your life. Praise God. Can I bring him now to see if he's true? Praise God. After I've seen your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards it, so I must see it. I must see it. Hmm. This faith to some extent. Then you can now start, can now start bringing the doctrine of Christ little by little. Because the doctrine of Christ has a demand. And that demand is for men that have been faithful in Christ Jesus. A man that has not been faithful in Christ does not have the strength to carry out the demand in the character. <coughs> Praise God. To carry out that demand that Christ will present. Praise God. Now, let's now look at it. He said, Wherefore, I, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. When I was preaching last time, um, what's it called? Life is. I said, your faith work, like faith use, faith in the Lord Jesus, eh, is validated with something. Your love work. Love work will always align you under the authority of Christ. So you can't really put authority to use if there's no love work in you. Praise God. Aha. The attitude of spiritual authority is love work. So there's no way you cannot you if you don't walk in love, eh, you don't stand a chance eh, to put authority to use properly. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. So a man cannot really put authority to use properly if his love work is so if you check, you know, when we started um, reading Kenneth Hagin's book, it's later that I started seeing people reading Kenneth Hagin's book and the only thing they see are the miracles. Mm-hmm. When we started reading Kenneth Hagin's one of the major things that we paid attention to was love work. Mm-hmm. We would give me testimony, ah, this man. The test, there, was, uh, there was one that he went to paint somebody's house. There was one that uh, he went to help somebody cut tree in his house. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of characters that he exhibited, eh? So a minister of the gospel will, will, will offend him, he will not reply. Do you get? Mm-hmm. Will, somebody will offend him, he will be the first to apologize. Mm-hmm. You see, those things, those are the things we have seen. But the time came, after, later, I started seeing, people talk about, you see people talk about the faith of Kenetegin, but you never see their love work in them. Mm-hmm. And you will be wondering, like, ah, is that the only thing you people see in these books? Praise God. We saw a lot of his love work, and we could relate that um, authority he had to his love work. So in other words, we, we, we just knew that this authority, we can't use it to use, put it to use properly if our love work is questioning. Mm-hmm. So Paul too, and this, thing, this scripture confirms it. After we have seen your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love towards the saint. Mm-hmm. Praise God. So a man cannot really benefit from the letter of the from the epistle if he has not learned to be faithful at a level and when you could say faithful 
I'm not saying that because um, you can heal the sick or because you can do evangelism. No, 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 no. That you can commit yourself to the simple, simple teachings. Simple teachings of Jesus. Even if you cannot carry it out properly, your regard towards it, even your regard, the way you regard it, the way your heart pants after it, Jesus Christ will look at you. This is where he's hungry. That's your death. That's how Jesus Christ measures a man's hunger. Praise God. So you see that many people will be in church for so long, but they will not grow. There's a reason. Faithfulness is lacking somewhere. We are not seeing God. God is not seeing commitment, so He's not moving them further. He's not moving them further. It doesn't mean that He's not hearing. He's not. He might, not, he might be hearing this this message, but because He's not seeing a faithfulness and majorly love work, they can't. Because if you have not, if a man has not exercised himself, eh? if a man has not exercised himself in that thing. There's no way. You cannot, you cannot exercise, you cannot commit yourself to the doctrine of Christ eh? when you have not exercised a love work towards brethren or towards your brother. Because for you to actually commit yourself to the doctrine of Christ, you must love Christ. And you cannot love Christ without loving your brother. So the proof that you can love Christ is that the fact that you have loved your brother or you have loved the saint. Mm-hmm. So you, you see the book of Acts was a love towards the saints mm-hmm. ministration. Was a ministration of love towards the saints. Every book of Acts, in the book of Acts, is a ministration of love towards the saints. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Praise on the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now you now went for that in verse 16. Say, and your love towards all the saints. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom. So in other words, as at this time, Ephesian church does not have that spirit of wisdom and revelation. So they could not really, really know Christ. Praise God. They d- because I don't need to pray for something for you if you already have it. Mm-hmm. If it has been activated in you, how do, do I need to pray for you? Mm-hmm. No, because you already have it. The reason why I'm praying for you is because you don't have it. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying for you to have it. So there's no way you can know Christ without spirit of wisdom and revelation. Praise God. Because Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Mm-hmm. So you can't access that wisdom without the spirit that governs the wisdom. Mm-hmm. Praise God. When you say Christ, Christ is an embodiment of wisdom. That's why they call him, they call it mysteries of Christ. For something to be a mystery, it must be entangled in a very high wisdom. Praise God. It's confusing. Very confused. Praise God. Praise God. When you say Christ, Christ is an embodiment of a wisdom. So in other words, you can't unravel him unless the spirit that gave him that wisdom comes to teach you. You can't, really, you can't explain him. You can't open him up. Praise God. That's why they call it the mysteries of Christ. Something, when you say something is a mystery, it's something hidden. Praise God. 
When you say mystery, mystery is something hidden. It takes a spirit to unravel something that is hidden. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And that spirit, Paul had to see something in them. Faithfulness. Mm-hmm. With something. Mm-hmm. Before they could unravel Christ. So you, you now realize the fact that some people are not growing because they have not been faithful in the little that has been given. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God the Lord. Hallelujah. I cease not to pray for you that the Lord give you spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge in the what? In the knowledge of Him. You see? So you can't access the knowledge of Him without that spirit. It's not possible to access Him. Without that spirit. Praise God. In the book of um, John, he said, He shall take that which Jesus Christ was saying that that it is good that I go, that the spirit might come. Eh? And he shall not speak of himself. He shall take that which is in me and give it to you. So, what is that which is in him? It's his knowledge. It's his understanding. Yeah? What he knows. Because the reason why Christ can please God is because of what he knows. Mm-hmm. So for you to please God, you know, know what Christ knows. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And for you to know what Christ knows, there's something inside Christ that must reveal it to you. It's called the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Mm-hmm. In the knowledge of him. Praise God. Mm-hmm. In the words, knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Mm. So you can be a Christian and not know the hope of his calling. Mm. I think this thing will make us understand that probably we have not really gone far. Mm. If I can't define the hope of his calling, I have not gone far. If I can't define it. You know, I can say... uh, the purpose, my purpose is to conform to the image of the Son. I can say it, I can recite it. But really, really, do I really know what I'm saying? It takes revelation to know. It takes help. When I say revelation, spirit of revelation is the one that will help you to open up what is inside Christ. You cannot understand Christ unless the Spirit comes to teach. So you can read your Bible, but you can't really relate it to life. There's a reason why the spirit of wisdom and revelation is not activated yet. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 In the, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Praise God. Hallelujah. The what? Riches of his inheritance. In the saints. So definitely, there's an inheritance that is inside the saints. Or there's an inheritance that the saint has. Praise God. Riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is his exceeding greatness, is the exceeding greatness of his power towards who believe according to the workings of his mighty power. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. 
Praise God. Let's quickly look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2 first. Let's quickly see something. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. So we talked about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Praise God. In the knowledge of Him. That your eyes of understanding may be enlightened. So in other words, when they are enlightened, when they are enlightening a, a man's eyes of understanding, they have definitely you don't need light if you it was not dark. I cannot there cannot be light in a place, bright light, and I now say I need more light. I must have a problem. So the reason why I need light is because of the darkness. And the extent of your illumination is the extent of your understanding. Do you get? Or the extent to which you can you can you can you can you can access something. Now imagine in this house now we close all the windows, everywhere is dark, you now put on a candle. Hmm? There's a limit to how much you can walk in the house. There's a limit to how much you can do in the house. But put up that candle and put on a halogen lamp or open all the windows. You have total access into the house. So the extent of your light determines the, your proper access to God. So a man must be increasing in light for him to receive his inheritance. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I say light, I mean understanding. Praise God. So that's why a man must pursue. I don't know if anybody what Lucky so said yesterday. Woman was talking about the essence of knowledge. The essence of knowledge. Mommy Muhammad on it several times. The essence of knowledge. Why a man should seek knowledge higher than any other thing. You know, it looks as if every single time we come to um, life meeting, all we are talking about. All we are talking about is knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. It's because, to be very sincere, if you don't know, you cannot do. If you don't know, you cannot carry out instructions. If you don't know, you cannot please God. If you don't know, you can't please God. We need to understand that thing. If we are not increasing in understanding, if we are not increasing in knowledge, we cannot grow. And any man that is not growing is in captivity. We need to understand that thing. The reason why we are growing is to break bonds of captivity. Praise God. The reason why we need to grow is to break bonds of captivity. Our captivity is our darkness. Our captivity is the veil on our eyes that is making us interpret life in a different way. When we are seeing life in a different way, people are correcting you. You are wondering, what are they saying? It's because there's a veil. Hmm. Hmm. There's a veil there. People are telling you that ah, ah, this thing you are doing is bad, but you just—it's not your fault. You just cannot tell why. Why what I'm doing is wrong? That's because there's a veil there. Until you grow, you now realize about that. Ah, why was I even thinking like this in the past? Because it was a veil. Have you ever spoken with somebody? Maybe the person is dating somebody that is not good for him. And you are telling the brother, yeah, break up with this girl. The girl brother be telling you that it's God that spoke to him. Oh. And you, you are looking at it, you are saying, ah. <laughs> this one is not God, though. And you know, if you are a pastor, you have to be careful the way you tell somebody that it's not God that is talking to you. <laughs> These are issues that we face all the time. You don't know how to tell the person that this is not God. Sometimes you wait for the person's heart to be broken. 
Just be praying that they don't end up getting married. Sometimes that's how you that's the prayer you next prayer you pray. If you have stuck and talk and talk and you see that this person is not answering. And especially some people, they know how to block you. By the time you tell them, ah, I'm still having still having a reservation concerning this relationship, they say, yeah, God told me. God told me. You know when somebody tells you that God told you? <laughs> you first tell them that, okay. Maybe I'm the one that is kind of here, I'm not hearing God. <laughs> you quickly step back. It's because there's a veil there. The day that veil is removed, the guy will look. Do you know there are some things I remember that I did in the past? And I'm ashamed of them. See, I actually said this thing. I actually behaved in this manner. I actually did this thing. And to be very sincere, what I was doing sounded so spiritual to me. That's a veil. That's a captivity. That's a, a captivity. So when they say they will enlighten a man, they are bringing... Enlightenment is freedom. Praise God. When they are enlightening a man, a man is receiving freedom from captivity. From darkness. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise not the Lord. Let's read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In what? In Christ Jesus. Praise God. So, what the scripture is telling us that, you know, it's talking about those who are faithful in Christ Jesus and he said, in the knowledge of him. He said, those things that are in Christ Jesus are blessings. You know, when we talk about blessing, we are talking about physical things that we can see. He said, those things that are inside Christ, those characters that are inside Christ, long-suffering, patience, um, endurance, eh? perseverance, those things are the real blessing. Those are the things that you need to be taught. Those are the things that you need to learn. Those are the things that you need to learn to set you free. So we can quote scripture and say, in the kingdom of God, in, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What kind of liberty are you talking about? Liberty to do God's will. There's no way a man can access God's will except by the spirit. So he said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. You know, sometimes they do, some people say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. They do all kinds of things in church. That's not the interpretation of that scripture. I told somebody one day, liberty without boundaries is bondage. Mm. Mm. You have put yourself into another bondage. Mm. And that kind of bondage is even a big problem. Because you don't have boundaries again. Mm. You can do whatever you like. So, I see some people, you know, I heard of some, some leaders. They are mostly forever same people. So, because they say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. The leaders, in church leaders or younger non leaders, they will gather themselves together and play card game and put alcohol on their side and be drinking and be playing card and they say they have liberty. That's liberty with madness. Mm. Praise God. Mm. Because now your liberty does not have boundary mm. and caution. Mm. You will offend the spirit. All things are lawful. But not all things are expedient. He said all things are lawful, I will not be bound to anything. So you see that excessive liberty is a boundary, is a bondage. bondage. So things can be lawful to you, but don't be bound by it. 
So you can be bound to your liberty if it's not guided by the Spirit. So you see men that they say they, are, they have liberty in the Spirit, but they end up offending the Spirit because they can't really guide their loins. When I say guide their loins, that means they can't easily be driven by any lust. Praise God. I'm saying so many things tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. They can easily be moved. But yes, I have liberty in Christ. I have liberty in Christ, but you can't do anything. Have you seen some people? I remember when we were on campus. Eh? They will say something that they will commit sin. They will commit fornication. Ministers of the gospel on campus, they will commit fornication. They will say that it's not me that sin, it's my flesh. No. Oh, yeah, it was common on campus. I saw a campus fellowship pastor slept with my friend's, uh, uh, my friend's girlfriend. They asked him, he said, it's, it's, it's his body that slept. <laughs> his body that slept to the bed. Yeah. Serious. They will tell you, it's not me that sinned, it's my body that sinned. Mm. Oh, it was a common thing on campus. Mm. New creation reality. Mm. So people have preached it in a way that. Mm. Don't let me go there. Mm. Praise God. So, what does the scripture say? He said, Blessed be the God of our Father and the Lord who has blessed every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In what? In Christ Jesus. The real blessing are those things that are in Christ Jesus. If a man is not learning the things that are inside Christ Jesus, blessings is not communicating with blessing. He's not being blessed. So you see that it's blessing that brings material things. It's not material. Material things are not the blessing. Did I write communicating? Yes, sir. So it's blessing that brings material wealth. It's not material wealth that is the blessing. So you see that when we have myopic minds, eh? We 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 trade we we, we trade we trade trade vanity for God's blessing. Mm-hmm. We are not different from Saul. The Bible says that he's a is a profane man. Esau, sorry, Esau. The Bible says that he's a profane man. A whole bat right. He traded it for a pot pot of porridge. The Bible says he's profane. A profane man is a man that is that is a, that is a, that is that is totally dead to spiritual things. Praise God. They are out value for nothing. That's a profane man. Praise God. So you see, you see, he said, blessed with you who are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. According as he has chosen us. You see, according, let's look at this scripture, verse 4. According. So this blessing is according to something. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of this world, that we should be what? So, what does those blessings do to you? What do they make you? He said, Blessed be to God, who has blessed us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Eh? In Christ Jesus. Colon. Semicolon. Praise God. So, he started explaining for that. Semicolon. According as he had chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be what? Holy and without blame before him. In what? In love. Praise God. So those, those blessings, there's something that those blessings do to you. They make you holy. Praise God. Those blessings do what? They make you holy. Praise God. 
So what the blessings do is that they make you holy. So when you say a man is blessed, is a man that is holy. That's a blessed man. Praise God. A man that is what? Holy is a blessed man. He's not just any man. A man that is holy is a blessed man. Praise God. So if a man cannot live holy unto God, holy unto God is not communing with his blessing. Praise God. If a man is not living holy unto God, he is not blessed. Let's be blunt. If a man cannot obey God, he is not blessed. If a man cannot live by the doctrine of Christ, he is not blessed. Let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Praise God. Psalms chapter 1. So, like you said, we said those blessings are supposed to make a man what? Holy. You know, I was thinking about it recently that how come deeper life is so rich? They are like one of the richest denominations in the world right now. And I'm asking myself, why are they so rich? Now, Riches is not the validation of this thing. I'm just telling you why God can commit that kind of wealth to their hand. Praise God. Those men, eh? When they become wealthy, eh? They only buy what they need. Eh? They only buy what they need. Every other money is going to the church. Praise God. So you see in Nigeria, there are all those lucky areas, all those um, Ajay areas, those are areas in Nigeria where rich people will stay. You see a lot of, many of those mansions, big mansions, old big mansions, they are, they are owned by deeper life men. And when you go into their house, you see like maybe 40 brethren. <laughs> like 40 brethren living in that house. Praise God. The reason is because, because of that, holiness around them. Praise God. Because of that holiness around them, God can commit wealth into their hand. Praise God. Psalm chapter 1. Praise God. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man. Eh? Praise God. Blessed is the man that walketh not in what? In the counsel of the ungodly. So, any man that has capacity not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, that says that that's a blessed man. Praise God. Any man that has capacity to deny walking, any man that is strong enough to, when the counsel of the ungodly comes, he can refuse it. He said, that's the man that is blessed. Praise God. He said, that's the man that is blessed. If you can, the counsel of the ungodly comes and you can resist it, you are blessed. So for you to be, so if you see, Ephesians chapter 1, he said, he said, according to his 
and divine wisdom that what is it that let's quickly go there Ephesians chapter 1 that scripture say praise God verse 4 according as he had chosen us in him before foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love Praise God. So we should be holy and what? Without blame before him in love. So if a man is not receiving this blessing, eh, he cannot be holy and without blame. Praise God. He cannot be holy and without blame. That means a man that is not, that they are not communicating this blessing to, we have unholiness inside him. So the blessing is to make a man holy or to make a man live a holy life. So, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. A man, no, no, you can't, you know, yeah, we are teaching eternal life, everlasting life, all this. If a man has not come to that level of purity, forget the communion of everlasting life. They don't give it to a man that they cannot trust. A man, they can never come. We can be listening to it, but the dealings of it, you will never receive it unless you have come to a purity, a certain point of purity in God. And that's why you say we should use Christ well, commit ourselves to Christ. Eh? Christ is our sanctification, is our cleansing, is the one that takes away those things that limit our blind. That 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 is one that takes away our blindness. How do they take care of our blindness by making us wise? If a man is not wise, eh, he is still blind. If a man is not increasing in the wisdom of God, he is blind. The devil can still deceive him. The devil can lie to him. Spirits can deceive him. Spirits can lie to him. A man must be wiser than spirits. So when they see a man that is becoming wise and wise, and how to tell a man that he can, he's becoming wise is that when principalities and powers, rulers of, uh, you see, dominions, principalities of power, when they bring a particular thoughts to him, he can discern the thoughts and say, aha, I know you. This is not of God. And he will refuse it. They know. This man is, an everlast- is a man that, that, that will give himself to, an, to the everlasting gospel. Or the everlasting thoughts. You know the gospel are thoughts of God. Praise God. Mm. Blessing of the Lord. Now let's go back to uh, Psalm chapter 1 again. And then he said that the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Sinners have a way. Praise God. Mm. Sinners have a way. When they say a man stands in it, he has become an expert of it. Praise God. Or stand in the way of sinners. Nor seated in the seat of the scornful. I like the way they, they said it. From walking to standing, then sitting. 
please, oh. I can't be wrong, oh. it's just coming to me like this, right now. Everybody will always start with the walk. Hmm? Then you stand, you have come to a place where you are convinced. When you sit, you have become a king to that thing. So, it's only a scornful man that can sit. Any man that sits is already a king. It's the next part of that thing. So when you say a scornful man, a scornful man is not a man that does not that is not believing in Jesus. Praise God. He's not really, he might not be a man that is not believing in Jesus. A scornful man can be a man that that knows Jesus to an extent. Eh? Mm. A scornful man is a man that he has the knowledge, but he has committed to himself that he will not use the knowledge. So when you say a man is scornful, he detests something. Even though he knows that thing, he detests it. That's where they say a man is scornful. Praise God. That's a scornful man. When you scorn something, you mock something. That's being scornful. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise on the Lord. Hallelujah. The seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his Lord doth he meditate day and night. You see? You see? You see? That is what he's meditating on. That means that's what he has fallen in love with. That man is blessed. A man that can live this kind of lifestyle is blessed. Praise God. That's a blessed man. You must be blessed to live like this. You must be blessed to meditate in the laws of God day and night. That's a blessing. That's a real blessing. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth its fruit in season. His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever it doeth shall what? Shall prosper. Praise God. Whatsoever it doeth shall what? Shall prosper. Praise God. So there's no way a man can prosper in the things of God if he has not put the, the knowledge of God to use. Praise God. So we grow in faithfulness. We grow in knowledge. As we grow in knowledge, we grow in faithfulness. Praise God. Then the Bible now says that whatever we do, we shall prosper. Praise God. Whatever we do, we shall what? We shall what? Prosper. Praise God. Praise God the Lord. Praise God. Verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory and his grace, wherein we had made us acceptable in the beloved. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise on the Lord. Praise God. Let's quickly open to Ephesians chapter 3. Praise God. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So, I will still go back to that faithfulness. So, a faithful man is a man that is committing himself to what the faith um, designs for a man. Praise God. A man that commits himself to what the faith has designed. 
Every time you commit yourself to the knowledge of Christ, you are making covenant with that knowledge. When you say you are making covenant, you are making commitment. You are making covenant means that you are, you know when you make covenant, you shed blood. You, you, you bring blood out and you commit your, and that, when that blood is shed, is a sign that you are committing yourself mm-hmm. to that thing. Praise God. In the Old Testament, if they cannot cut themselves, they will kill an animal mm-hmm. and walk through the animal. Mm-hmm. They will make sure the blood of that animal stains the floor and they will walk through it. Mm-hmm. Then they are making covenant. That kind of, once you make that covenant, you cannot change your word. Mm-hmm. You have to live by what you just said at that point. You have any single time, every single time, either convenient or not convenient, you have to live by what you said at that point. That's called covenant. So every single time you make a decision, according to the knowledge that Christ is giving, you are making a covenant with Christ. Praise God. Praise God. So faithfulness. A man must be faithful. Praise God. Oh, thank God. Hmm. Praise God. Let's quickly open to let's do Ephesians chapter um chapter four. Let's quickly go to chapter four. I just want to touch something. I want to touch some things. Praise God. I read from verse 16. From whom, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual workings of the measure of every part, that maketh increase of the body, unto the defining of itself. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not according to, um, not as other Gentiles what? Praise God. So there's a way Gentiles walk. There's a way Gentiles do it. There's a way Gentiles walk. When you say a way Gentiles walk, for you to walk, you must know. So there's something the Gentiles know that makes them to walk. Praise God. So you walk not according to other Gentiles' walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alien. You see? You see it. Praise God. Praise God. Having their what? Understanding darkened. That means there's an understanding, but the understanding is what? Darkened. Is perverted, mm-hmm. is twisted, mm-hmm. is turned. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from what? The life of God. That means they can never ever, once the understanding is still there, you can never partake from the life of God. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Alleluia. There's no way a man can partake in the life of God. Once that understanding is still there. So, in other words, once that understanding is still there, forget life of God. 
So you can, and he was talking to a church. Praise God. He was calling them saints in chapter 1. But he said, they, you, you, he said, which understanding there is that in eh? Being alienated as a result of this, continuously being, continuously being alienated. When you alienate something, you delete it. So, being deleted from the life of God through what? The ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Praise God. So, if my heart is not being enlightened, eh, I'm being alienated from life. When you say alienated from life, it doesn't mean that life can be inside you, but you are not partaking of life. Or you are not living by life. Praise God. They will not even grant you access to that life. Praise God. You will not be able to put that life to use because of your understanding. Verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with what? With greediness. But ye have not so learnt who? So the antidote to the darkened understanding is what? Learning Christ. He said, but, that's the stop. Ye have not so learned Christ. The blessings are in Christ. He said, in the knowledge of him. Right? Those that are faithful in Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another in Christ here. You have not so learned Christ. You need to learn Christ. We need to, when we are saying the man is learning Christ, is it, Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. When a man is increasing in knowledge, he said a man of knowledge increases that in strength. Praise God. So, the reason why the devil can still seduce somebody is because the man is not strong. He said, if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. In other words, your knowledge is small. Your understanding is little. You lack understanding. That's also what the Bible is saying. If you fail in this of adversity, your understanding is little. Praise God. Because there's a darkened understanding in you, so you can easily respond to another understanding. There's a veil that man has that is making him make decisions according to a lifestyle that is against God. Ah, Praise God. But now they're bought. I was talking to the church. But I have taught you Christ. Ye have not what? But yeah, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. They put off concerning the old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You know, I was talking to somebody recently. The person doesn't believe in salvation of the soul. So I was, I was talking to the person. I said, "So you don't have lust? 
have lost. You have lost. So if you have lost, you need salvation. Your soul needs salvation. Unless you don't lost at all. Okay, then you don't have lost. You're a very disciplined man. You don't have pride of life. That one, that one is always evident in every man. The fact that they cannot even correct you, it's hard to correct you, it means there's pride of life there. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, this scripture is saying something. He said that he put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful law. He was talking to a church. He said, You have an old man that is corrupt according, according, the same manner, in accordance, structure, the same nature of a of what? Deceitful lust. He was talking to a church, efficient church. He said, You have not so learned Christ. So if you have learned him, there's, when you have learned something, you have received strength, use that strength to put off something, the old man. So when you got that knowledge, you are using that knowledge to war. Paul was telling Timothy, he said, those prophets that have been given unto you, use it to wage war. So when knowledge is coming, you are listening to messages every time. The message is supposed to be hanging somewhere in your heart. They say thoughts come, those messages are supposed to rise up. But the day that thoughts come and you, you massage the thoughts where well, you don't even remember that you are releasing to message that is against that kind of thoughts. <laughs> it means that you have not so learned Christ. You need to learn Christ more. You know there are some thoughts we massage. We enjoy them. We know the thoughts are evil, but we are enjoying the thoughts somewhere. Thoughts of lust. You see, some people, eh, they know they are supposed to not, they, they, they know it is bad to not forgive. But they see, when they massage the thought of unforgiveness inside them, and you see the thoughts that we cross in their mind, they hold me. Why would he do that to me? Why would he say that to me? Can he say that to this kind of person? If I was not like this, can he say that to me? You see, those are the thoughts that is massaging unforgiveness somewhere. It's massaging the unforgiveness, massaging the unforgiveness, massaging the unforgiveness. The time will come, he will convince himself reason why he should never forgive. Those are the deceitful lusts. He's deceiving you. And those are thoughts. Praise God. He said, put off the old man. Accord, concerning the former conversion of the old man, which is corrupt. According. According to what? Deceitful lusts. Praise God. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, that ye put on new man, which after God is created in what? In righteousness and what? And true holiness. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. Praise God. Like I said at the beginning, I said that darkened understanding is the bondage. So when you say bondage, that means a man is in bondage, it's not because he's not being tied, it's because he's still subject to the deceit. When the deceit comes, he cannot he cannot let himself go. That's a bondage. It's got the darkened understanding. You cannot once those thoughts come, you cannot let those thoughts go. You hold on to them. That's a bondage. That's a bondage. It's a bondage. That darkened understanding is the real bondage. Praise God. 
That darkened understanding is the real. When a man is understanding is darkened, he's in a bondage, but he doesn't know he's in a bondage. Because why would something that you know is ungodly rule you, but you just cannot let go? That's a bondage. Praise God. That's a bondage. So, what actually sets a man free is understanding or enlightenment. That we say, enlighten my darkness. He said, God will enlighten your darkness. When the darkness is enlightened, freedom is coming. That's how freedom comes. Because now you cannot see the frivolity in that thought. Even though you have been the thought for so long. But because light has come, you see the frivolity in the thoughts. Now you begin to hate the thoughts. If you have not come to the point where you hate that thought, you are not free yet. A man has, has to come to the place where he hates the thoughts for him to be set free. You can't hate, you can't be set free from something you love. You must come to hate it first. Then you'll be set free from it. If you have not hated it, you will not be set free. A time will come, those thoughts will disgust you. Ah, why am I thinking like this? I'm so evil. Freedom is coming gradually. If you can tell yourself that thing, do you know some thoughts have crossed your mind and you ah, Femi, you can think this thing. That's actually where freedom comes from. If you have not come to that point where you, those thoughts come and you are asking yourself, ah, why am I so evil? Freedom has not come yet. Because now you still love it. The understanding, you still, you still, you still, you still hold on to that understanding. You still um, value the understanding. And because you value it, it can still take control of you. That's why I say it's according to this corrupt, according to deceitful lust. He's a deceiver. He can deceive you. When somebody deceives you, it means that he tells you something that is wrong, but you believe it and you run with it. That means you have been deceived. You have not been deceived if they tell you and you are still doubting. Ah, I'm not being true. I'm being true. You have not yet been deceived. But when somebody really deceives you, he tells you a lie. And you run with that lie. Ah. You see, somebody has been deceived. So you see the knowledge that we run by. If somebody can come and tell us, ah, this knowledge is not, this this thing you are thinking is not good. You are looking at this now. Are you normal? Oh. It's because you have been deceived. Oh. You have been deceived. Oh. And that's why we need ministers of the gospel in our life. Oh. Man that has gone ahead of us. Oh. That can see afar. Praise God. Oh. That can see afar. They know when you have been deceived. And they have wisdom. They call them. That's why a minister of the gospel must be a priest. He knows how to administer things against sin. He knows what to do to deal with sin. If you see in the Old Testament, for every sin, a priest knows the a priest knows the uh, the sacrifice of atonement. You know that mm-hmm. for fornication, he knows what to, what you bring for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. For murder, he knows what you can bring for sacrifice. For every type of sin, there's a type of sacrifice for it. Why? Because he knows the antidote to a particular type of sin. Mm-hmm. So if a, a, a minister of the gospel must be a priest, he must know how to help a man that is in disciple lost. Mm-hmm. That's why every minister of the gospel must be raised. Praise God. How do they raise minister of the gospel? That's why, you know, I have to say this thing. I'll be closing in five minutes or ten minutes. Praise God. Let me quickly close with this. Let me close with this. Let me close with this. 
Praise God. The reason why a man needs, we need to submit to ministers of the gospel is because ministers of the gospel have been raised and they have gone ahead. So you see, when you want to raise a minister of the gospel, you see them go through, within a short time, they will go through a high form of persecution. You will see they will restrict their life. They will give them dealings and they will grow very fast. And you that they are teaching, you will look and see if your own dealings are not. When he's telling you his own dealings, you are wondering, I may not go through all this one. There's a reason. They dealt with that man for you. So you don't have to go through what that man went through. Praise God. You don't have to go through what that man went through. So they dealt with that man within a short time. And they raised him up. But you don't have to go through what that man go if you truly listen to him. Praise God. And you will see the scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. So sometimes, you know, the problem we have with um, submission is that sometimes we feel like we know. We feel like we know. That's one of the problems we have with submission. We feel like we know. So when somebody can see a father than you, because you can't see what he's saying, instead of you to trust what he's saying because you trust the God in him, you are beginning to doubt it. Because somewhere you feel like you know better than him. Ah, uh, you might not. You might not. To be right, say, me, I've learned one thing. I've learned to submit where... I'm, no, not very well because I still, I still misbehave sometimes. But I'm learning to submit where. That's one thing I'm learning these days. To submit properly. Because there are some things that my people that have gone ahead of me see that I can't see. And it's because of how they have been raised. Praise God. And how did they raise them? Let's quickly open to um, Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read from verse 9. Now that he ascended, uh, from verse 9, I'm closing soon. In five minutes, I should close. Praise God. Five minutes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. People understand what I'm saying. Praise God. We, you understand what I'm saying, right? Praise God. Praise God. Verse, verse 9. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower part of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all in all. Verse 11. And he gave some no, no, let's read from verse 8. Sorry, verse 8. Said he, wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is not spiritual gifts like a uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation, uh, like a uh, um, gift of faith. You get spiritual gifts are men of God that he gave to us. Praise God. Hallelujah. These are the spiritual gifts he's talking about here. He gave gifts unto men. Verse 9, now that he ascended, but also that he also descended into the lower part of the earth. He that ascended is also he that descended far above the heavens, that he might fill all in all. And he gave some. So these are the gifts. Praise God. Hallelujah. These are the gifts here. Some apostles. But how did he first... Um, what did he first do to this man before he gave them as gifts? The Bible says he led captivity captive. That's where I'm going. 
these men were captives of another kingdom before. Hmm? He now led them till they became his own captive. So, the men were captives. Eh? He now led them. They became his own captive. And he now gave those men. So, a minister of the gospel will be a captive of the Lord. That's where I'm going. If you are called into ministry, any ministry you are called into, a minister of the gospel, pastor, apostle, any ministry, or even help ministry, praise God. Hallelujah. Because in the book of um, Corinthians, they started talking about help ministry somewhere. Do you get um, Administrative ministry, that's help ministry. Eh? Tongues are interpretation, prophecy. You see, those things are ministries. Do you get what I'm saying? They started telling them. About ministries there. Do you get the administrative help ministry, all those things? You must be a captive of the Lord. Or else you will run, you will run, you will use flesh to run the household of God. Flesh will run the household of God. So when they are raising ministers, they lead them to be captives of the Lord. So if you see James that said that now says something like, I, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the born servant. A minister of God is a born servant. They've, they've killed him. He has become a prisoner. Paul said, I, a prisoner of Christ. Christ. You know, that was, there's no way I can go. It's where Christ is going. It's like Christ has changed me. He has changed his hand. He now changed me too. Anywhere he's going, that's where I'm going. I'm a captive of Christ. Those are what ministers of the gospel should be. Praise God. So the reason why I should submit. So he makes out the gospel because he is a, a captain. Praise God. Hallelujah. He has been raised to be a captive of God. So he knows better than me. I've never, I can never come to that point in my life that I will say I don't know my pastor. Be, at that day, you, you start beginning to die. Once you can conclude in your heart. Eh? No matter how high your revelation is, come on down. Even if you know in your head, don't let don't let your attitude or your thoughts don't permit the thoughts in your head. I should never come to a point where I feel like I'm no more than my pastor. No man should ever come to that point. You know, I was telling somebody one day. I said. If somebody is my pastor, eh? if somebody is my pastor and he's missing it in other people's, in, in counseling other people, the day he's going to counsel me, he will not miss it. The brother was looking at me, what kind of faith is this? I said, even if he, he chooses to miss it, by the time he starts talking, we just realize that he cannot miss it. Because I'm submitting to him as unto God. I'm submitting to him as what? Unto God. God. These are these are the things that we need to learn in we learn in our Christian walk. These are the simple things we need to learn. That you just realize the fact that proper submission to who God has put over you, eh? even if he's, he's sinning, as long as God has not removed you, that man still has a work to do in your life. And submit to that person as unto God. Mm. 
Praise God. Amen. Submit to ministers of God that God has put over you as unto God. You know when I was a youth leader, I was always afraid of teaching this thing because I would feel like the devil used to throw condemnation in your head. You want people to submit to you that they are teaching this. Now I don't care again. If you like, submit. If you like, do submit. <laughs> me, I'll just teach Bible. <laughs> I'll move on. <laughs> Even me, I'm afraid of people submitting in the first place. <laughs> it's something I'm afraid of. To be very simple, my wife knows that. Even if I come to me for counseling, my heart beats to increase. Because I'm afraid that what if I miss it? What if I miss it on somebody's life? That fear is always there. So it's not that I'm looking for anybody to come and submit to me. Uh-huh. I'm just teaching scripture. Mm. What scripture teaches? Praise God. Hallelujah. Just teaching what scripture teaches. You submit as unto God. So it's God that will counsel you through the man. Praise God. God will counsel you through the man. And when it's time for you to leave that man, God will let you know. Don't just go because you are seeing his error. Go because God is saying it's time to go. We need to be careful. To be very sincere. Eh? The scripture has said it. He said, some of the great prophets, for the perfection of the saints. In other words, you have to be under a minister of the gospel to grow spiritually. Is this, that's how it is. Somebody must be raised for you. You know, sometimes people think that we love ministry. My brother, you don't like to be sitting up in your house and chop. See this Thursday. You're already here. You drive all the way from your house. You could have been watching TV right now. Even me, myself. So, people think that, oh, these people, they just want to preach. <laughs> If you know what I want to be doing. Mm. <laughs> but there's something. I, we can't even help it. Even when we are, like today now, I even feel like preaching. Mm. But it has become a commandment. It's not just, I'm not just preaching because I enjoy preaching. Preaching has become a commandment to me. Mm. If I, when Paul said, warned to me if I preach not the gospel. Mm. He warned to me. Did I stop preaching the gospel? Did I become an obi- oh, disobedient man? Mm. Mm. Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm. So, I, I don't know about any other minister, but many times, it's not that ministers of gospel are looking for men to submit to them. But it's just that that is the demand of the ministry. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, elect captivity captive. So he made men of God. So that's all the reason why we need ministers of God because they've gone ahead. God has cleansed their blindness and they can see afar. Eh? So they can minister to your blindness. Praise God. Hallelujah. They can minister what? To your blindness. Those are, that's what they call priests. He knows what to use to atone the man's sin. That's a priestly job. So when a man has a sinful character, yeah, I know a minister should know what to say to him that will deal with the sin. Praise God. So that's why we need to listen to this so that darknesses can be dealt with. Praise God, the Lord. Father Lord, we thank you for tonight. Oh manahaki parati
monobraka sibrete barika zolshe namaka eli pranti bradisho se vaze brandi kaliata kabushte vranda o menianta kabaya kaliata kabashte vranda kaliata kabaya monobrandi kirebusha tapalia kadeshte limata kabaya himenion fradisha raba kaliata kabusha namata kaliata kabusha namata Mimbro Sazap Harike Zosh Naman Krahiza Naman Takabaya Prakisto Vazebra O Stavan de Kilibra Kazoshta Father enlighten our darkness Healing things of dishonesty Lord Father deal with them Lord Riba Subrata Tejadadali Bregados and Amata E Krasutu Brenda Kilibra Kazosha Naman Takabaya Father enlighten our darkness O Braka breathe your breath upon us in the name of Jesus O we need to be taught we need to be taught. We need to be taught. We need to be taught. Father, help us, Lord. 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 Ena makalia kabasha labata kaboshte beliata kabaya membro sataya bregedoshe nevanta kabaya keliata rekazutu bregedeshe nevanda. Father, help us, Lord, to see. Help us to lead. To see. To see. To lead. To see. To lead. To see. To lead. Menon sisibiti ana rekashto prakasete kere. Oh, thank you, Heavenly Father, for your glory. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Oh, Father Lord, help us. Help us. Help us. Help us to seek you more. Help us to seek that which is the true blessing. Help us to seek that which is the true blessing. Make us faithful men. Make us faithful men. Make us faithful men. Make us faithful men. Oh, make us faithful men. Makalia Kabana. Zezomon. Delbia Genema. Make us faithful men. Make us faithful men. Father, make us faithful men. 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 Help us to commit. Help us to commit to your word. Help us to commit to your to to your doctrine, to your teaching. Help us to commit. Help us, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we are praying. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you have spoken. We be the doers of your word and not the years of me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Amen. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim.